the bats for the Milwaukee Brewers. What do we think, dude? They're yeah, alive. nice little weekend for the They're Brewers. They're alive. Huh? They're alive. 18 runs over the weekend in two games, nine each day. The starting pitching is incredible, and the bats have just woken up and are dominating as they take the series against the St. Louis Cardinals, 9-3. to You absolutely love to see it. And it's, uh, what, Daniel Vogelbach got things going uh, yesterday. Then you had uh, Lorenzo Kane. Well, I guess Vogelbach scored Kane. Then Avi Garcia hit another dinger. Shawsome. The mayor of Ding Dong City, Travis Shawsome, as Rowdy said. Uh, Manny had another Pina. home run. The Manny Pineapples ran pineapples at the end. Dude, the Brewers are looking uh, like the team that we uh, saw in spring training, isn't it? The team with the hot sticks. Yeah, the Brewers finally woke up. Finally this weekend woke up. You love, you absolutely love to see it. The Brewers now uh, tied for second place. Yeah, 5-4 and four in the season. They'll start their series against the Cubs starting today. So we'll have to dive into that. And I he- hate to keep nitpicking, but you got two over the weekend against uh, St. Louis. But man, with those pitching performances and where they were at, it would have been nice to get a little greedy with a sweep, huh? <laughs> it would have been, yes. And a sweep would have put you in first place. Now, Rowdy, what happened uh, What happened on Thursday that we could have been talking about a sweep here? Well, obviously, you could have potentially hmm. had some, uh, some people would have said overmanaging. Others would have said that was the right move. What was that? With the bullpen, but. Oh, was that when they put, was that, was that, was that Corbin Burns that they pulled? Was that him? Am I thinking of that right? Yeah, and and looking into the future here. The Cubs series that's coming up, obviously, Monday through Wednesday here. Mm-hmm. Man, are the Cubs in a bad bad situation? Going to have to see Peralta, Woodruff, and, and Burns. Burns. Ooh, yeah, because uh, Freddie Peralta on the mound today for uh, the Cubs series. And then, yeah, then you have Woody and then Burns. Let's hope no one gets the early hook. But, yeah, our guy True Advisor on Twitch says, should have had a sweep. You ain't, you ain't lying. The bats are awake. So is the crew keeping our heads above the Cardinals. Ooh, did I see the Pittsburgh Pirates they, beat the Cubs too? They won the series two to one. <laughs> Cubs lose yesterday. Fly the L seven to one to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates now three and six on the year. The Cubs four and five. And the Reds took a loss or two over the weekend as well against the Diamondbacks. Yeah, they're six and three. The Reds are six and three right now. Cardinals and Brewers both five and four. Cubs four and five, and the Pittsburgh Pirates three and six. We'll talk some NL Central today, but we see the bats finally starting to come alive for your Milwaukee Brewers. It was right away, dude. How awesome was it when you saw? I, th- I think in the first inning, even the even Brett Anderson was batting. If uh, memory serves me correct, I think they went through the whole uh, batting order first inning. And then four to nothing right away. Then three to seven to nothing. Then the Cardinals got a run in the second, so seven to one. And then the Brewers just never really looked back. Cardinals got a couple more in the second or on the yeah. Sixth. Once the Cardinals, Yardley? once the Cardinals starting to threaten a little bit and make it a little bit more of a ball game, and the Brewers got out of the inning, and then the very not too long after, Brewers have a couple more runs put on the board. And, uh, yeah, they pretty much won the game in the first couple innings. Yeah, was, I mean, the fat lady was singing by the third inning. Uh, there is some some concern, though, when it comes to some injury. Was It was uh, Travis Shaw, the mayor of Ding Dong City. He had to leave the game. Yeah, he fouled off a 
he fouled off a pitch and he smoked and it went right into the back or right into the side of like his ankle slash shin. Yeah, I think it was just a bad bruise. Yeah, according to him and Craig Council, he expects to be back today. Yeah, and then Christian Yelich also had got a little dinged up too. Yeah, um, lower back stiffness. So I think Council also said that he thinks that Yelich is going to play today as well. We'll see what happens. But yeah, um, that's going to be tough because. Christian Yelich was turning it around, starting to look really good, and Mer- the mayor of Ding Dong City, Travis Shaw. I think so far he's been the what, the brightest spot. Of, yeah, I mean if you're gonna like, have consistently, if you're gonna have a position player be an MVP right now for the Brewers, you have to say it's probably Travis Shaw because not only has he been bringing the stick so far this season, but uh, he's looked pretty good over at uh, third base. Made some pretty nice plays over the weekend too. Yeah, he totally has. Uh, Travis Shaw's right so far through nine games. The MVP of the Milwaukee Brewers. I got to throw up, uh, obviously Al Garcia as well. He's been hit. He's been hitting a lot of dingers, Rowdy. He's he's been he's been hitting it out. He's been doing good. Two games in a row. And before that, wasn't he? Didn't he have another two in the series before yeah, that the against last, the Cubs? The last uh, few games here, obviously Al Garcia has gotten hot. Yeah, it's been awesome to see. Starting pitching has just been electric. Uh, Brett Anderson giving up what one earned run over five innings. Over the last five games, check this out. Over the last five games, Milwaukee starting pitching 28 innings and allowed just one earned run. And yet, they still have a loss in those games. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And come some no decisions for those starting pitchers, right? Wow. Yeah, they are 4-1 and one in those last five. Cr- crazy of how the Brewers, yeah. No, I was just going to say, if you have an ERA that is .32, man, wouldn't you expect to be undefeated in your last five? Never lost. You would you would think so. What happened, though, Rowdy? The, oh, the early hook, right? And then, yeah, mm, interesting, yeah. Uh, Brett Anderson, what did you think of his performance yesterday? Exactly what you need from a, from a Brett Anderson in that situation. Yeah, because I was wondering if we were going to like have to be talking about, you know, um, because it was the aces, right? Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, the ones that was getting our panties in a bunch about how they were getting yanked early from games. And I'm like, well, what do you expect from Brett Anderson? What do you expect from, like, when Freddie Peralta starts today? Like, what do we expect from this? If a guy's dealing, a guy's dealing, right? Well, I mean, just talk about the game on Saturday where Adrian Hauser threw really, threw, threw really, really well until about the last inning he was in. Yeah, Hauser won five innings, gave up six hits, just one run, struck out three. Um, and see, now that was a game in which they were winning, but it was still closer at the time mm-hmm. when they took him out. But you could tell he was starting to fade. Like you yeah, could, tell, you could that tell he was starting to walk batters and give up some hits after completely rolling at the beginning of the game. But you could tell he was fading, even though he was, I don't have his, the box score up, but I'm going to guess he threw like around 85 pitches. Uh, Hauser had, I'll have to go, uh, 81 pitches. 49 strikes. But you could tell they were starting to get good swings and have good at-bats, and you could tell he was starting to walk guys where he was fading. Burns and Woodruff never gave off those type of uh, warning signs. They just looked like they were getting better as the game went deeper, didn't they? Burns and uh, Woody. And then Anderson came back the next day, Sunday, and he threw five. And that was one where I thought, ooh, maybe with this type of a lead, they're going to keep him out to eat more innings because he only had like 90 pitches. Yeah. Uh, On Saturday when I was watching some, it was uh, when Josh Lindblom, the former, you know, he was a starting pitcher last year, MVP of uh, Korea before he came back over uh, to the States. 
I was watching him. He went the the eighth and the ninth inning. He was like laboring, dude. He was. Uh, I thought he was gonna blow it for the Brewers yeah, on Saturday. He's been laboring quite a bit this whole season when he gets into games. Like they were talking about eventually bringing him back into the starting rotation because uh, Freddie Peralta took his spot. That Lindblom was gonna come back into the starting pitching rotation. I I hope that doesn't happen because I do not want to see that. Lindblom, yes, he was able to. Um, you know, f- finish it up for the Brewers on Saturday. But my God, I was getting concerned. He gave up three runs. Uh, I was like, "What is what is going on here?" One dinger, too. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Brewers still won on Saturday, nine to five, though. But I mean, thankfully, Lindblom. Yeah, he's part of the bullpen, but he's not a key part of the bullpen. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I don't want to say he's this bad, but he's kind of like the Wei Chong Wang. He's only getting in. <laughs> he's only getting in when they're up big down big or just need someone to eat some innings that's funny man the bats are alive turn it on bats alive for your milwaukee brewers how about kest daddy keston Hira? my twitter account ebo says blew up on saturday when kest daddy went yard the man can hit it's took him long enough how did how did it feel rowdy how did know or how'd it feel to know that Keston here finally got his dinger out of his way his first of the season? Felt good when I uh, saw it and heard it. Well, especially in that game, he was hitting the ball hard, and then he finally got one. Yeah, he cranked one. And it's good to see because when you're not seeing anything from him offensively, and at the same time you're watching him try and learn to play first base, and I would say this overall for Keston here in the field. I think the glove is good enough when said ball is hit to him or when said ball is thrown to him, but him throwing the ball Oof. around the infield has been tough. Yeah, it's and been a tough scene. You can't Did hide, he have another error over the weekend? Yeah, and yeah, you can't hide someone in the field that threw, I believe at that point, through seven well, games had at least three errors. And he's like, the reason why the Cardinals scored, too, because of his throwing error. That's unacceptable. That That's a, that's a liability, and if you're playing seven games and already had three or four errors... And it's at first base. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, that's like, tough. You he needed the bat to come around, or else that might be bye bye alternate site here. Was that the sixth inning? Um, uh, Molina scored on an error, and Dean scored on an error. Um, yeah, by Hira. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was a tough scene from uh, Keston Hira. But then that was in the sixth, bottom of the sixth, then top of the seventh. Hira four hundred fourteen. Football. But that okay, but since we're talking about Keston Hira, that was the thing when David Stearns selected Keston Hira in the MLB draft, they were unsure if he would need elbow surgery mm-hmm. because in college he started out as a center fielder. So he played outfield at UC Irvine. And then when he started having elbow issues, they moved him to second base for about a season or so because he couldn't really play any other position. Yeah. And then when he started continuing to have elbow problems, it was right at the end of his, his final year at uh, UC Irvine. So they had moved him to DH and then going into that draft, they were talking about, well, he could get that therapy shot where it's either going to work or it's not. (laughs) So if it doesn't work, then he's going to be a position player that needs like a Tommy John type surgery, which is very, not common at all. And then he's got like a, what a freak injury. Kind yeah. Of he took the shot and it worked. So he didn't need to have the surgery, Take but, it. but here he's not playing outfield anymore. He was, did somewhat, his, DNA, his DNA didn't mutate. Did yeah, it? He was somewhat playing second base 
and then mostly being a DH. That's why a lot of teams stayed away from Keston here, even though they said he's the best developed uh, college yeah. bat in this That's draft. how the Brewers got him. He's going to be a, a good hitter when he reaches the major leagues. He could have a fast track to the major leagues. He just doesn't have a position. Well, it's he's a man without a position. That's kind of what they've they've seen, and that's why he fell. I believe the Brewers took him at number ten. That's why he fell to number ten because obviously half the teams in the league, minus the pandemic year that no one saw coming at the time of him being drafted, only half the teams have a DH. Yeah, and of those teams that have DHs, maybe they already had one in place or they weren't even confident about it. But yeah, he was going to be a top bat, and there was no position. Well, that's kind of come to fruition now. Because, yeah, he he's not looking the greatest at first base, but you got to let him take his lumps, right? Well, you got to let him work it out. Yeah. Because he's, he's brand new at it. Yeah, and from what you've seen from him in his, in his small sample size of a Major League Baseball career, you like the bat when it's clicking. And hopefully but it's clicking after Saturday. You, just, you have to let him play somewhere. And this is where it's so frustrating for what Major League Baseball. Because he got he had a day off yesterday, didn't he? he Kest Daddy? I don't think he played yesterday. Yeah, Vogel. Vogelbach yeah, played Keston first. Keston hit his home run Saturday then had the day but, off. But the frustrating thing with Keston here was this is a guy that if it wasn't post-COVID baseball and Major League Baseball still had a minor leagues that was playing like they normally do, mm-hmm. he's a guy that could easily be sent down to the minor leagues. Yeah. Maybe if that's even for a year, two months, uh, you know, whatever amount of time to learn first base down in the minor leagues to get your confidence back hitting in the minor leagues. It would be like the perfect year to have sent him down to the minor leagues to try and learn some of those things. Yeah. But you don't have that option because currently it's an alternate site. I know they've talked about cutting minor league teams just in general in, in professional baseball. Yeah. And they're not starting up the minor leagues. I think until sometime in May. Yeah. They're waiting on it. So, so literally he has to try and figure it out at the major league level, which is the absolute hardest thing to do because it's the major league level for the re for a reason. (laughs) And they're all major leaguers. They're all good. You don't have the option to send them to the alternate site. Cause in my opinion, the alternate site's a waste of time. Yeah. He's just going to what sit sit on his hands. The whole it's time, a bunch of guys that are, you know, they're not even doing anything. Triple really. A, quadruple A players that are sitting around, you know, doing field, outfield, BP, and simulated games, and and they're not even playing real yeah. games against anyone else. It's it's doing these type of players like Keston Hira right now a big disservice. The sticks. Keston Hira gets his first home run of the season, drills that one out against the Cardinals, and then Sunday, Avi Cel. I always butcher it. I'm just going to Avi. Avi Garcia gets it done. His 100th home run of his career. Uh, it's a nice shot for him as the Brewers jumped out of an early lead in the first inning and then a little more in the second. But how about Daniel Vogelbach got the scoring going? The barrel man scored low cane. Then Avi, he drilled a two run shot. Crew hasn't done that. Travis Shaw continued the hot start in the second, taking Daniel Ponce de Leon deep for a three run homer. Shaw now has 10 RBIs on the season. And then what Manny Pena would cap it off, raining pineapples, a dinger in the ninth with a two-run shot. Rowdy, it's uh, something we thought the Brewers were going to be good at all season was hitting the ball out of the park because we saw it a lot in spring training. You know, take spring training with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd rather have them be doing good than doing bad. They were doing really good in spring training. The bats are finally coming around. Is this something that... Uh, now, we- it is just two out of the nine games so far this season, but it's... true. You hope the trend continues tonight in Milwaukee against the Cubs. Yeah, well, the guy, um, our guy, the King, on Twitch says, "Why aren't the bats swinging when Woody and Burns are pitching?" 
Well, it's because they're so enamored and caught up in those uh, fantastic games. And they know they got to enjoy it because Craig Council is going to take them out of the game early. So they got to enjoy it while they can. Well, that's the thing with being a Brewers pitcher. We talked about multiple times so far this spring about how Zach Davies could have an ERA around four and yet find 17 wins because every time he pitched, the bats would score like 10 runs a game. And then you can just look at uh, some seasons where Ben Sheets was the by far the best Brewers pitcher and the ace of the staff, and he'd have a hell of a season and win 10 or 12 games yeah. <laughs> because he wouldn't get any run support either, and the Brewers weren't just weren't that great of a team in general. Yeah. So way too early MVP of the season so far. We've both come to the conclusion that it's the mayor of Ding Dong City, the, the re-elected mayor of Ding Dong yeah, City. Yeah, for position players, for me, it's got to be Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw's just been killing it. Hot, hot start. Ten RBIs already on the season. Love it. Here yeah. is you look at his numbers. So, 2019 obviously was a disaster. All Brewer fans watched it unfold mm-hmm. for as long as David Stearns allowed it to uh, go on, which <laughs> I think by most people's standards was longer than what was, they would have liked. It's too long. And you look at 20, 2020, and he came in. He played for Toronto. He batted 239. He hit six home runs and he had 17 RBIs and he played in 50 games. Yeah. So he played in five sixths of the possible games. He's already now batting over 300. He's 308. He has two home runs and 10 RBIs. 10 RBIs. He's not a whole hell of a way off from his 2020 season of 50 games, and we've he's only appeared at, I believe, eight so far. Rowdy, is, his average is 308, his on-base percentage is 357, and his slugging percentage is 577. I'm telling you, if Travis Shaw can be the 2017-2018 version of Travis Shaw with the Milwaukee Brewers, that's, Look out, that's man. going to put this Brewer team over a hump. Look out, man. Here is Shaw saying yesterday, to quote Ice Cube, Today was a good day. Yeah, it is. I mean, a uh, big first inning right there, getting four runs in the first is huge. Kind of kept the line moving that whole inning. And uh, anytime you can score that many in the top of the first, kind of settles everybody into the game a little bit. And we poured some more on in the second and got them out of there quick. And pitching pitching held on, so good day. <laughs> Definitely a good day for the mayor, Ding Dong. Here is more from Chavis Shaw saying if they're going to be in a really good spot, uh, literally what you just said, Nelson, they're going to be in a really good spot if they keep – Pitching all year, like pitching's been incredible. I mean, offensively, we started off a little bit slow. I think we could have a better record than we do just because of how poorly we swung the bats early in the season. But if that pitching keeps pitching like that, we're going to be in a really good spot come the end of the season. So that's the thing, right? If they keep pitching like that, they'll be in a really good spot. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, when Woody and Burns were doing what they were doing, um, of all the starting pitching for the Brewers, let's look at our two aces. What are their records right now? Did anyone get a win out of those awesome performances? I think they're 0 and 1. Yeah. <laughs> but if you look well, at head scratcher, if eh? you look at some of the position players that the Milwaukee Brewers had brought in going into last season and now you look at their production so far now in a minute sample size when it comes to Major League Baseball 9 games. Mm-hmm. But you have Omar Narvaez at catcher who was brought in to hit didn't hit in 2020. He's hitting. You have the defensive catcher in Manny Pena who, yes, he's playing good defense, but so far through the first nine games of the season, he's hitting. You've you've got like, you know, if you if you were going to be like offensively, we'll say Omar Narvaez was going to be your plus, and we'll say if Pena had a good season, he'd be like a, a net neutral. Yeah. Well, right now with how both of the catchers are playing, that's like a plus-plus. And you both, want the plus-plus. Both are playing extremely well. You didn't have 
anything from the catcher position last year. Then you look at third base. You didn't get a whole lot out of third base last season either. And if Travis Shaw, again, can have a 17 or 18 type season, that's going to be a plus at third base. Look out, man. Christian Yelich. Now, the the production hasn't necessarily been there or the power hasn't been there, but he's hitting for average. I think the production and everything will come. Yeah, he's at what's average, 333, on-base percentage 459, slugging 367. And defensively, you've been upgraded in the outfield by adding Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr. to the outfield. Yeah. That's a plus defensively. You added uh, Colton Wong. Now I know he just went to the IL, but you can tell he's so much better at second base than what they had. And Urias is literally the spitting image of Arcia. So you don't really have a fall off at shortstop. Uh, our guy Cinderella Man on Twitch, we had a blast with him at the Madison Indoor Golf Center. I haven't heard, didn't hear from him last week, but he says, "So, are we back to never questioning David Stearns again?" We were never questioning David Stearns. We were just opining. We were curious. If anything, we were questioning Craig Council with the early hooks, right, Rowdy? Was that the only questions we really well, had? There was one comment saying that uh, we liked the Orlando Arcia deal. Or I do, anyways. You liked it, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, the there was a comment last week talking about how uh, Craig Council could potentially be a puppet for the front oh, office. Oh yeah, there with, was uh, that, numbers. There was that. There was that. But speaking of starting pitching, Rowdy, when we were in the grips of lamenting over the fact of Craig Council taking Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, in our humble opinions and always correct opinions, of taking him out early. Uh, it was uh, who threw the first no hitter of the season last week? Lance that was, Lynn. Yeah, Lance Lynn of the Chicago White Sox. He threw out 111 pitches. The first complete game was shutout. It? it was a shutout too. Well, how about this on Friday night? Uh, was it uh, Musgrove? Yeah, for the San Diego Padres. For the San Diego Padres, the the Padres were the only team left in major leagues in the major league that had not had um, what was it a uh, uh, no hitter. So what did Musgrove do? He went out on the mound, and he threw a new a no hitter, a no no for the San Diego Padres. And guess how many pitches he threw, Rowdy? A hundred and twelve. Now, have you heard of any stories over the weekend of his arm falling off after he threw a hundred and twelve pitches? Nope. You haven't heard anything, have you? I've only heard about people talking about how he was the first, obviously Padres no hitter, and he's a San Diego area kid. Yeah. But you know what's even funnier about that? He grew that? Up roughly 15 miles away from San Diego. What, what's funny? Just last season, he was with the Pirates. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Pirates sent him packing, and now he goes and throws a no-no. The Padres' first no-hitter in history. Musgrove get it done, the big, rowdy, the big righty. excuse me. He retired the first 11 Rangers hitters in order. Then he plunked Joey Gallo and retired the next 16. Began the bottom of the ninth with 103 pitches. A concerning pitch count, given the heightened cautioned managers are expressing with their pitchers, coming off a shortened season. But Musgrove was hellbent on continuing to pitch. He said, I was so locked in, I had no intentions of coming out of that game. Nine pitches later, Rowdy, history was made. That is what I absolutely love to hear and see. A pitcher saying, I had no intentions of coming out of that game. Well, and then we listened to Corbin Burns. We listened to Brandon Woodruff, which obviously 
I don't know if Burns could have made it a full game, being that he was going into the seventh inning and he was at 86 pitches. Yeah. But I definitely believe he could have gotten through the seventh. I also agree with that and believe that. And then you look at Brandon Woodruff, who was through seven, and he was at 74 pitches. I very well think he could have finished the game, especially if obviously doesn't start giving up a ton of hits and a <laughs> yeah. ton of runs. Yeah. But I think in pitch-wise, he was definitely in position where he could have potentially finished the whole game. And I think uh, Burns definitely had at least that seventh left in him. And when you listen to some of the comments that they made after being asked questions, yeah, they gave the the company line and the, you know, oh, I guess I did empty the tank out here. Yeah, my legs were feeling a little wobbly and a little weak here. But then there was also those kind of the butts like Brandon Woodruff wasn't Brandon Woodruff where he's like, yeah, but, but if I'm ever in that situation yeah, again, I hope it's, they're going to have to rip me off. the Yeah. Mound, they're going to have to rip me off the mound. So yeah. then there's the little, you know, you know, those two didn't want to come off the mound. No. So reading about Musgrove who threw uh, the Padres first ever no hitter. Uh, he threw 77 of his career high, 112 pitches for strikes and relied mostly on breaking balls. He had never thrown a, a no hitter at any level. Uh, he knew he hadn't given up any hits by the time he finished the sixth inning, but he thought his pitch count was too high for him to have any chance of finishing the game. When he noticed he was only at 67, he then realized he had a shot. From that point on, Musgrove ditched his fastball entirely and relied heavily on his curve and slider, the latter of which was especially effective, and sprinkled in the occasional cutter to generate quick outs. How about that if you're a pitcher absolutely dealing? In the back of your mind, you know your manager is going to give you the hook because you're on this nonsense pitch count sitting around 60-something. You just know it. Doesn't that got to eat with you mentally if you're on the mound? I mean, obviously it didn't for Musgrove, but I think for the, for the majority of pitchers, like, oh, man, I'm going to get the hook. Kind of changing how your, uh, your mindset on how you need to go about pitching. Yeah. Just because of uh, a... To be completely honest, a made up 100 number. Yeah. Like, how did that's my biggest question is how did 100 become the number? Because it's Sounds triple nice. digits. Sounds better than like 74 or 86. Like, how do we not know with all the science and studies that they have out there? How do we not know that, uh, you know, maybe it's 106 pitches or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's 92 pitches? What if it's 200, Rowdy? I feel like they just went out there and threw a hundred down because it's a nice round even number. Yeah, it and sounds it's like nice. Three digits. Mix the math easy. Hundred and a hundred pitches. Yes. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? We gotta make it easy for Nelson's oh. generation. Oh, Dave from Anona. Fly hey, the Mike. L again, Dave. That's two series in a row. Your scrubs have lost. And this no, one to the Cubs. Pittsburgh Pirates. No, the Cubs. I told you guys the reason why your generation doesn't listen when you got a bunch of young guys, a bunch of young guys going out with women and single single guys. They get married, they get fat and lazy. Dave, and Dave, question for you: lazy. Hasn't every generation have a bunch of single young guys that went out with women to just repopulate the world? Doesn't that doesn't that happen every no, generation? Because, no, because most teams will get rid of the players and don't hang on to them for five years. Well, I mean, we, we we got five guys on this team. I keep tweeting. Dave, Eric I'm Dow. pretty sure Babe Ruth, when he was young, he went out with women and, uh, you know, you know, spread his seed around. Oh, I think that, Ted that Williams my, did so, too. That guy's my hero. He had a hot dog in one hand and a condom in the other. <laughs> now, that's class of Babe Ruth, you know. So you put the condom on the hot dog and eat it? That seems weird. Well, you never know. It was with the, with the Babe. But, you know, you're talking about this generation, this uh, pitching count. Yeah. It's all because It's all because of parents. Parents are raising kids the last fifteen years to be to be absolutely puss oop, pansy asses because when you you're said puss in boots like from uh, Shrek. Yeah, 
because when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, people are telling parents, he's the next guy, he's the next guy. You only can pitch him like 50 pitches. You raise, your generation has raised the biggest bunch of pansy asses. When it comes to <laughs> my these, generation, these Dave, my generation. Yeah, you, should be, you should be complaining to the Gen no, Xers. No, because uh, your generation raises 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds. That, that, that's your generation. Nelson's generation, a little older. I mean, mm. my God, when, when we grew up, you pitched double headers the same day. It's like basketball players. We, oh, my God, they got to play once every two days. The world's come to an end. Hell, they play ten games in one day for AAU basketball. <laughs> but oh my God, we can't. We, we Dave, can't I hate work. the pitch count. Hey, it's like people voting now. If you're standing in line, we got to give you water and food. No, bring your own. It's like cheapers. You got kids that are 15 years old coddled. That's your generation, and it's never. It's only going to get worse. Dave, did your parents hug you when you were a kid? No, my dad put a foot up my ass and say, "Hey, <laughs> you had two choices. Either if you didn't show respect." Two choices. Was it a foot up your ass or the other one is what? Well, hey, my dad was like Nelson's dad. You showed respect. You, you, you didn't talk back and you didn't, you know, you didn't get lazy. You, you, you know your dad, Rudy? Well, shit, nowadays, you make, you make, nowadays you, you jog down to first base and you're clapping. The kid. Don't touch my son. Don't hurt him. <laughs> he's special he's and he's different and he's better than everyone else. Yeah, because he's liable to come out in ninth grade as, 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 as transgender. And that's no. the next All right, Dave. Well, he'll come out. Oh my God! But anyway, all right, get out of here. I already, freaking Dave, I already ran out of the dump button. <laughs> okay, but to his point, though, I'm I'm all right with protecting God. protecting kids in little league and pony league and Babe Ruth league, maybe even to an extent in high school. But once we're talking about major league. These are professionals. Professionals. And I'm going to play a clip coming up here of Robin Young uh, before we get to the break. And like on, just on top of that, we're talking about professionals that sign million-dollar contracts. We're talking about what is the goal for the Milwaukee Brewers every time they step out on that field. I, it's, it's, I hope it would be to win the World Series. Win the World Series, win that game today, and make money, right? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but uh, if I ever have a pitcher rolling, I can't take him off the mound. Well, I'm the, I'm the same with you. Now, granted, if he's given up a few hits and we're, say he's at in the sixth inning and he's at 110 pitches, yeah, then I'm taking okay, him out. It's probably yeah, time to I'm go get him, him out. But if he's abs- got a no hitter and it's the sixth inning and say he's at 85 pitches, I'm leaving him in the game. I'm going to let him see what happens here. It's a freaking professional. Yeah, let's go back to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Z in the D. Zach in the Dells. What's up, brother? Okay, first off, Dave doesn't know the napkin from toilet paper. Okay, no, so true. he thinks that we're the softest generation or whatever is the softest generation. It is in the sports science of pitch count and why these kids are at a lesser level or throwing less pitches. You see it in the Little League World Series is that once you get to 75 pitches, you're done for seven days because the fatigue of the throwing motion is not natural. That's why softball pitchers can throw more pitches because that's more of a natural swing. You don't get Tommy John from that motion. Where in the arm motion of a pitcher, you're more likely you get Tommy John, and it's just more fatigue. And once your body starts wearing down, the more likely you get injured. And if you want to have a longer career, you stay away from injuries. But Dave wouldn't know that because he can't see the baseball, literally. <laughs> so I don't care what Dave says about the softest generation. It's called being smart. If you're being smart, you make more money. If you make more money, you live a better life. You get to pass that on to generations. Are you saying money does buy you happiness, Z and the D? 
Well, it does for some people unless you're Deshaun Watson. Then there's that's a different road for a different let's, day. Let's, but let's not go down that road. We're good. Okay, but yeah, money will buy you happiness of some sort, and just it just makes more sense if you if you really want to build a legacy and you want to keep going down in the baseball roads and you want to leave your imprint in baseball, you're going to want to pitch longer. If you want to pitch longer, you're going to be smarter. You're going to be smarter. You're going to be taking care of your body, and that means not throwing 110 pitches when you only need to throw 80 pitches. So hmm. when he ditched his fastball to the slider and curveball, even though those are more riskier plays because those with the RPMs and the ball in your hand. You're talking Musgrove now? Yeah. yeah. Um, it hurts your arm a lot more. That's why you don't see kids at age 10 shouldn't be throwing curveballs. They should be waiting. We need, we need a wave of knuckleballers out there, Z and the D. It doesn't hurt. Knuckleballers are actually probably the more better pitchers. Yeah, everyone should be training their kids right now to be knuckleballers. We need a new wave. We need the next Tim Wakefield, next R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey, Tim Wakefield. But, yeah, you just, at a young age, it makes sense for these kids not to throw as many pitches. At an older age, as he said, if the guy's throwing a no-no in six innings and he's throwing 70 pitches, let him go until, because you can give him an extra day of rest. You can always call the pitcher. You can always spot start. There's no issue there. So, uh, Zach, I think it's safe to say, though, uh, what's the newest generation? So we're millennials. What's it, the Gen Z? I think it's Gen Z. Those are the, that is the softest generation out there, the Gen Z. They oh, yeah. are the worst. And then the ones, what's the ones after them? Uh, Gen Babies. Whatever whatever the ones are that is after the Gen Z, they're going to be the worst. I can guarantee you that. I well, rank, rank them actually boomers are the worst, and then Gen Z... And then Gen X, because they're a bunch of crybabies, too. And then Millennials. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and uh, baseball is officially back. I think the Boomers are the biggest crybabies. <laughs> Brewer fans and cheeseheads. Yeah. Z in the D, so. always appreciate you, brother. All right, later, buddy. See, see you, bud. Uh, speaking of all that, I have comments from Robin Young, a cool video that was um, going viral over the weekend. And it's talking about being a professional and playing and not, you know, putting the bubble wrap on and sitting down. Our guy, J.H. Krebs, good friend of the show. Genetic jackhammer, having a, a newborn son. Congrats, brother. His first boy, he said. He sent us this video over the weekend, Rowdy, about Robin Yount. And I think you had sent it as well in the, the DM exchange that me, you, and RJ are in. And I think both of you guys, both J.A. Krebs and you, both took shots at Ryan Braun. Uh, over the video of the kid, Robin Young talking. He has an important message to other ball players. Powerful and motivational, says the caption of the video. And I don't know what this comes from. Like it's like it's a black and white, Robin Young sitting there reminiscing about, you know, playing back in the day and yada yada yada. I don't know what exactly this video comes from. Do you know what it comes from? I'm not sure either. I just saw it resurface on my Twitter. Then we got tagged on it from uh yeah. Krebs not too long after that. It's it's like some, I don't know what, it's a video, whatever it is, it's cool. And it's us, you know, talking about, we were talking about, you know, people getting bubble wrapped and, you know, how they play, how much they play, yada, yada, yada. Uh, here you go. Here is the video of Robin Young. It's 50 seconds long. Take a listen. The impact that we as players have on the fans, I just didn't pay enough attention to it when I was playing, but I became very aware of it after I retired. And... I try to tell that to players today that, you know, don't ever think that this game is about you. You know, I I really think every player should understand that, that there are some people that are sitting in the stands that 
this might be their only chance to see you play all year long. There might be one kid there that will never get a chance to go to another baseball game. Don't let anybody uh, be sold short because you're more concerned about yourself. Give it everything you got. Stay focused. Devote yourself to what it is you're trying to accomplish. So there you go. There's uh, Robin Young saying, I didn't really think about that when I was playing. And now that I'm out of baseball, all I think about is the game isn't about you. Rory, what do you think of that video? Besides the crack, the jokes that you, Krebs, and you joked, I don't think Ryan Braun ever heard this. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) sorry. He's not wrong, but he's also, he's not wrong. The game of baseball is there before any of those guys that we just talked about. The game of baseball was there before Robin Yount. The game of baseball was there before Ryan Braun. And when they retire, the game of baseball will still be there. It's for any sports. Like, you know, like when we talked about Rodgers. I'm like, the Packers will be here uh, long after Rodgers is gone, and they've been here long before Rodgers even came. You know what I'm saying? That's like every sport, every major sport. It's been around a long time. But yeah, Robin Yount, baseball's not about you. Baseball's baseball, right? Yeah, and I think what he was saying is basically play your butt off every single time you can because you only have a finite amount of time that you're able to do it. You get paid well to do it, and you make people's days yeah. because they love sports, like we'll say baseball, and they weren't talented enough to make it to where you are. So play hard every day because you want money, you want a championship, and it kind of brings a happiness to other people. It does. Sports have sports has changed though, hasn't it? Hundred percent. It's it's no, it's it doesn't feel like the. I'll be completely honest with you. Since the COVID nineteen shut everything down. Me caring, me even caring and watching about sports has changed. I, I think I, I'm, you're not alone. I think everyone thinks that same way. I, I feel the same way. It's, it's like there, there's not the same. It's no longer the team we mentality. It's the me, me, me. Oh, it's just not even the same like passion for the game since it re, all those leagues restarted. Was well, it just because of money? Like money has corrupted everything? I just feel like it's been just corruptible. Well, like for an example, you, you brought up Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun was my favorite player pretty much since he hit the scene with the Brewers. I was always Braun over Fielder. Yeah. But when he came out and said had that little press conference with the The truth is I'm innocent. PEDs, I, I believed him. Obviously. Well, you got taken for a ride. Yeah, because he seemed like, you know what? Yeah, this was a screw up because he was so adamant. Adamant and positive that this was he was 100% innocent and this was messed up. And then you heard the thing that, oh, there was a weird uh, something weird happened with the sampler who like brought it home and had to put it in his own fridge because something happened. So you're like, okay, yeah, maybe. But then to get popped like a year later, yeah, you're just a liar. Yeah. Totally. And I always kind of, I always it's hope like, that Ryan Braun, so the thing was, I always hope that Ryan Braun wasn't a guy that needed the PEDs to play at that, you know, 2011, 2012 MVP type level. But then all you saw once he got off of it was when he was hot and healthy, still a good player, but not a perennial MVP. And then you still had to kind of think about the arrogant comments that he's had over the years yeah. and the fact that well, that's him, just being, the PED route, you him know? being off the PEDs, he wasn't the same player and he's now he's not uh, healthy and he's still making a huge contract 
and I don't, even, I don't even think it's about PEDs anymore, really. I think like that's part of it. But now there's so many more different layers in this onion. When you start peeling back sports of the the multi, you know, the millionaires, the corporations that are now involved, the money, the foreign countries that are involved, and when you start peeling back the onion, you're crying a little more because you realize, man, this is this is an onion that's got ba- it's gone bad. You start peeling back. It's just like the corporations that interject in and the owners on top. You come to find out, I think it has to do with social media too, that everything's now put under a spotlight. Like, well, this person's not a nice person. Well, this person has no morals. I guess well, this no, this person, you know what I'm saying? Just to easily sum up the Ryan Braun thing, I believed him when he first said it, and then when he got popped again, I... Fool me once, basically, shame on you. Basically, it was like, okay, I... Obviously, I rooted for him and the Brewers to have success mm-hmm. because I'm a Brewers fan. But if, say, he would have left and went to, like, the Yankees, I could give two craps about Ryan Braun. Because that, that... Same. Well, I'm a, I'm a Brewers fan first, or I'm a Packers fan first. I'm a, you know, a Bucks fan first, a Badgers fan first. Like, isn't that the same for you? Like, yeah. you, you have your players you like, but once they go elsewhere, it's like, to me, it's just another guy in the way. Well, especially with the if, if it was Ryan Braun in that situation, yeah. because... He was such the face of Milwaukee. They decided to re-sign him over Prince Fielder. And there at that time, you were either a Prince Fielder guy or you were a Braun guy. Because mm-hmm. everyone had their favorite. And it was, who are they going to sign? And then they obviously decided to extend Braun. And Fielder went to, was it uh, the Tigers first? Yeah. And then it came and out vegan. that... He went vegan into the Tigers. Now, granted... Prince Fielder, you know, no PED history, no anything, but he ended up uh, having that stuff that went wrong with his neck. Yeah, the neck injury. So his career, unfortunately, was shortened due to a neck injury, and then Braun was popped with PEDs. Yeah. Well, that's just, and again, Rowdy, that's just the PED thing. That's like, okay, well, you, we tried to put the 90s behind us. I love the sour taste in a lot of people's mouth, but now here's my guy getting popped. And then you look back and just let, what, the last two years, year and a half, what happened? Of how you just all of a sudden you see you see sports for a while just seems so pure like it was like guys out there just competing and then the older you get the you get a little more jaded and you start realizing how much money makes the world go around and then you see all the people telling you one thing about you know how you should act what you should do this and that and then they do a complete opposite thing you know what I'm saying it's like all of the hypocrisy hypocrisy has really been magnified. Over the last year and a half. And it's from, you look at it like, I just want to watch a game without having to have stuff thrown in my face when it comes to hypocrisy. Does that make sense? It's like, can I just, maybe it's just being a kid. I think maybe the older you get, the more you just realize the world is pretty brutal. And as you keep getting older, it's how you deal with it. And right now, I got Brando Savage says, I love this combo. I feel the same way. Not sure how to pinpoint it either. I don't know how exactly to pinpoint it either, but there's something that's just... Well, it's, for me, it was ever since the uh, COVID shutdown. Well, oh, yeah, that, that opened up a lot of eyes for a lot of people being like, wow, what's happening here? Because that's when the whole money thing started coming out. It was First, it was under the guise of health and safety, and it all started on Twitch, which, by the way, you can stream us on Twitch, twitch.tv, Ebo says, with who was that? Blake Snell. So it was, it was all about the health and safety, and he's like, well, I'll actually play 30% of the season for my full salary. And then it all unraveled for there, just specifically in baseball, right? Isn't that, isn't that the pinpoint for baseball? I would say for every single sport. But, yes, I mean, that was 
that was probably the first domino that fell for me. You're like, okay. And then you just saw money, 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 money. And hey, that's how the world runs. Like, I get it. And then speaking of money, like Daryl Morey, the GM for the Houston Rockets, says one thing about China, and then he's shown the door. And you see the NBA catering to China. But then say a completely different thing. It it just hurts the brain a little bit. Okay, so Mike Florio, who uh, you know writes for Pro Football Talk, his Twitter account at Pro Football Talk. How would you describe Mike Florio and his um, his his Packers? Not fandom, but how he how he perceives the Packers. How would you describe it, RJ? He's a troll. R- Rowdy, do you uh, ever follow Mike Florio at all? And his uh, his trolling of the Green Bay Packers? I really don't. But what, from what I've seen from him is he doesn't like Aaron Rodgers. That's for sure. Yeah, and he definitely does not like the Packers either. He's a, a Vikings fan. And he says he's, you know, unbiased and he's just a reporter doing his job. Well, no, that's not a that's not a such thing anymore for any reporters. He puts out so like most of the stuff he lists the source and things like that. Yeah. But then almost every Packer thing he puts out there, unnamed sources. I think some of that is just his personal opinion or his wants and needs for like some reason that. He hates Aaron Rodgers. Now, speaking of unnamed sources, like you just brought up, RJ, in the newest Mike Florio article about the Packers, he does uh, quote a bunch from a Rob Demosky article, and Rob Demosky took a comprehensive look at the issues surrounding the relationship between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And in it, there's an unnamed agent, and Florio runs with it. Uh, The headline is, Unnamed Agent Says Packers Are Delaying Free Agent Moves Due to Aaron Rodgers' Contract. They said the Packers, and we've talked about this at nauseating levels. I understand that. But it's the, as the wheel of cheese turns, it's the soap opera up in Titletown. The Packers could easily create significant cap space by converting a large chunk of Rodgers' $14.7 million base salary to a signing bonus. They could do that. The problem for the Packers, though, comes from the reality that creating cap space will now push cap dollars into 2022, making it harder to trade him or cut him of June 1st of next year. Well, not cut him, but trade him. That's why Rodgers should actually want a full and complete restructuring. It would, as a practical matter, tie the player and team together for two more years. But right now, the Packers are on a year-to-year basis. So he also has this, and I want you guys to you know think about this here. He has this Twitter poll out, and it's geared towards Packer fans. If you're a Packers fan... Would you rather have one more year with Aaron Rodgers in a guaranteed Super Bowl win or four more years with Rodgers and a reasonable shot at winning the Super Bowl each year in those four years? I would answer I want one year and a guaranteed Super Bowl win. What about you guys? I'm in the same boat with you. Yeah, it's not going to be much of an argument. Yeah. Maybe one year and a guaranteed because Super Bowl win. Because if you're Aaron Rodgers and if this was, you know, Asked of him, what would you prefer? I think he would probably take the Super Bowl championship and just that one more year walk off into the sunset. Guaranteed. Because there's no guarantees over the next two, three, four years. But also, if you're Aaron Rodgers, think about it this way. The guy you were replacing was Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. He won a Super Bowl. He won three MVPs, and he made it to a second Super Bowl. Yep. 
Aaron Rodgers just won his third MVP. He won a Super Bowl. And if he made it and then obviously won a second Super Bowl, he'd be two for two in Super Bowls. And you would you could argue, especially from his point of view, that uh, he did more than Brett Favre did. The guy that they butted heads when they were there. Yeah, now they're wink, wink, buddy, buddy. But uh, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They, they were always best of friends. Yeah, even, yeah always. Even during those times yeah. where yeah. Aaron Rodgers called said him grandpa. Brett Favre never talks to yeah, me. And called you him know old man. that Aaron Rodgers had that chip on his shoulder because it's been talked about. It's been seen. And you know that he would love going to sleep at night saying, I and, did better than Brett Favre. And one more. So in this Twitter poll... If you're a Packers fan, would you rather have one more year with Rodgers and a guaranteed Super Bowl or four years with Rodgers and a reasonable shot at winning one? Well, here's the thing. Everyone in the Twitter poll is like, this is one of the dumbest questions you've ever asked, Florio. Of course it's one year and a a sure Super Bowl win. Everyone wants the sure thing. Well, here's the thing. Everyone does want that, except I think if you're the Green Bay Packers brass, the entire time that the Packers from Brett Favre and more so Aaron Rodgers – they have always been playing for the future, never to win now. Have you ever noticed a time or seen a time when the Packers went all in for this or the, the year upcoming? I, I can't think of anything. Can you? Uh, hasn't hasn't the Packers always been? And if you are a GM in brass, you need to be looking out for the future. I know that. Yeah. But have the Packers ever been, this is the year we're going to dive in and go all in and get her done? Because Rodgers, there's only a finite amount of time left with him now. I mean, the Packers' decisions have always been enough to stay relevant and in a playoff picture. Or is that just because they have Aaron Rodgers? No, I mean, like, since Ron Wolf came in. Mm-hmm. It's always been to to be relevant and make the playoffs or be in contention for the playoffs. And, uh, I mean you then don't really have the option of having a lot of top 10 picks and stacking your own talent. So you end up bringing in undrafted free agents and end up with a whole defensive secondary of undrafted free agents and guys you picked up off the street that year. um, And your team suffers for it, Mm -hmm. but it'd be nice to have, yeah, see this organization at least once just be like, this is the year. If we don't, if we win it, great. If we don't, we're screwed for the next couple of years. But I mean, it's in Green Bay. I mean, the the waiting list is still thirty plus years. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think you need to look much farther than the fact that for the last roughly thirty years, you had Brett Favre and you had Aaron Rodgers. You basically had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and two potentially top ten quarterbacks of all time, and you got two Super Bowl wins and three appearances in those roughly 30 years and you had Ron Wolf obviously the GM when Brett Favre was there saying he wishes he would have done more for Brett Favre got him more and weapons now obviously we don't have that type of uh quote from Ted Thompson RIP but I would imagine he would probably say and echo those same type of words I wish I could have went out and got more talent and surrounded Aaron Rodgers with in a yeah. perfect world you you'd, you'd be able to draft and develop and keep your own players the best part is, like, that quote came, like, 30 years after, like, free agency. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least in baseball. A heck of a football, man. All right, so I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking to myself, Aaron Rodgers just came off a Super Bowl MVP season. 
or not a Super Bowl, one game away from the Super Bowl, an MVP season. And then let's see here. I got a couple messages coming in. Uh, our guy Carl at Eco Bugman. What's up, Carl? Carl. Carl. Nice to see you. Says, if I'm Aaron, I wouldn't restructure my contract now. Unless somebody I need is signing next to me, Goody did it to himself. Packers screwed it by drafting his heir apparent quarterback and then the running back with Dylan. They snubbed him last year. Now he's returning the favor, in my opinion. Well, yeah, also, with his contract how it is, Gutekunst doesn't want to, rest- in my opinion, Gutekunst doesn't want to restructure it. Because if he restructures it, he knows he's going to be tied to Aaron Rodgers for the next two to three years when I think he wants to be closer to one or two. And Aaron Rodgers isn't going to change his current contract because of how he's being paid. And the only reason he would change it is if they started putting players around him and backloaded it, which it's two different agendas. Yeah. Do the Packers want to preserve the ability to move Rodgers and elevate love in 2022? Or are they willing to proceed with Rodgers for 2021 and 2022, regardless if he has a down year coming up? And and what's an Aaron Rodgers down year? It's still like 28 other teams would kill to have that. <laughs> yeah, and I you mean, know? statistically his worst year as a starting quarterback, I think he graded out as like the 12th best. And, and, and to be completely oh. honest, when Aaron Rodgers goes and – Jordan Love, if it's Jordan Love that replaces him in the next few years, I think in his first year starting, or just we'll even say his career, if he's a top 12 quarterback his whole life, I think you would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, just from yes. Jordan Love. We're not talking about a guy like Brett Favre who was consistently in the top few quarterbacks every single year that you'd want. Mm-hmm. Or Aaron Rodgers, same thing. Yeah. I'm talking about if he could just be 12 every single year. I would be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, top and half that, of the league. And that is Aaron Rodgers' worst season. Yeah. 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 And Rodgers made the comments after the year was over. He's like, I'm pretty sure the majority of league, the majority of quarterbacks would kill to have a season like that. And that's why I just yeah. don't I'm quite understand why you're willing to part ways with that type of quarterback. For Listen, a- Rowdy, Mark Murphy said it. They're not idiots, okay? They're not. They're not idiots. A lot of people say that these days. I feel like you're insinuating they're idiots. (laughs) A lot of people do say that these days. And I look at those people that say they're not idiots, I'm like, you're a certified idiot, dude. Like, you're 110% an idiot. You know, actually, I wasn't sure, but now that you keep talking, yeah. Yeah, you're an idiot. You were talking about Aaron Rodgers, talking about the Green Bay Packers, talking about the drama that continues to surround Titletown, right? And uh, what happens with Rodgers with love and the brass and yada, yada, yada. It's it's something that just doesn't it just seem like it'd be an easy answer. Yeah. You go and you restructure and you help out your quarterback, number 12, who's coming off an MVP season, who gives you your best shot at winning a Super Bowl. Doesn't that just seem like the obvious answer? Like, yeah, you'd, you'd think so. Like, isn't the goal? I know, I know everyone wants to make money. Like, the goal at the end of the day is making money. But wouldn't you think you'd make the most amount of money if you played the most amount of games possible and won the most amount of games and won the Super Bowl? Therefore, you have more merchandise to sell, more tickets to sell, more butts to put in stands. Doesn't that just make sense that that would make you more money at the end of the day? Am I wrong in thinking of that, guys? Like that's how you, you would get more money is by 
playing farther in the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl? I don't know. You're not involved in the NFL, so Rowdy, I don't know if I can trust it. <laughs> I, I think, Rowdy, does that make sense to you? Like that's how that's how businesses would make more money by being more successful at what they do. It does seem that way. Rowdy, am I wrong? Or with you, I mean, you know what else is good for your bank account? Having a marketable. MVP superstar on your team. Yeah, I think <laughs> look at what Tampa did with Tom Brady. Yeah, both would kind of go hand in hand, right? Yes. So if you have your best shot at winning a Super Bowl and making more money with an MVP caliber player who you know did win the MVP, wouldn't you want to? I don't know. Do everything in your power to keep him in your organization. I mean, you'd think so, unless he was an absolute problem. Yeah, and I don't think this person's an absolute problem. I don't know. From from any, I don't recall do anything. Florio says he is. Do you is. remember when there was stuff that leaked out that uh, supposedly Mark Murphy told Aaron Rodgers when they hired Matt LaFleur, don't be the problem? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. But then people poo-pooed it and said, oh, that's not really a thing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it kind of is a thing. Could be a thing. Is it? I think maybe it could be. It was that uh, Tyler Dunn article, wasn't it? Where they're talking about Mike McCarthy getting because massages, look at, missing look at, meetings. Look and, at all their actions since Matt LaFleur was hired. It hasn't. I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily been all pro Rodgers. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, they drafted his heir apparent. They started running the football more, which it, I don't think anyone's against that. No. No. Because McCarthy was throwing it like seventy percent of the time. Quite hey, a bit. He was committed to the run. So, so bringing every Packer back, fan wanted to see Rodgers throw in the principle. ball. Bringing back more <laughs> of a solid run, it, I think, was a good thing. But also, we've seen times where they take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, where you. Probably wouldn't want to take it out of his hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that is one difference. Also, so a little bit of a change in philosophy with the X's and O's on the field. And then how about, I don't know, drafting his replacement? Yeah, I feel like, how about he's out there the like... Year, that year after he had a comeback here in 2019 <laughs> of a much better year than 18. And I don't know, yeah. he's out there talking about how he'd like to see a skill position player be drafted. You know, the Packers haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round since I think it they was... Jo- a skill position. Was Javon Walker. Was it Javon Walker in 2008? No. Oh, like one. 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 Oh, yeah, Walker. Jeez. Yeah. It's it's been a long time, RJ. Yeah. It's easy to forget. So Rogers out there doing all that. Like, yeah, here's the thing: we're actually not even going to draft a wide receiver at all. So we're not, that we're not deepest wide that. receiver class well, in history. That, that's the other thing. It's like that. at that time in 2019, look at all the the quote unquote playmakers that Aaron Rodgers had. Mm-hmm. It was Devontae Adams and a lot of question marks. Now Aaron Jones became became a prominent figure in the backfield as a playmaker <laughs> and as a running back for the Packers in 2019. But up until that point, you'd say he was pretty unproven. Yeah. There were glimpses, but yeah. Big Mike didn't like to use a lot of running backs and not consistently. So right. would you think that the future of Aaron Rodgers pre the 2019 or the, yeah, when they drafted Jordan Love, before that, would you say the future of Aaron Rodgers was always, man, I think his window is just starting to close. Oh, yeah, Rodgers is a lifelong Packer. Like the future of Aaron Rodgers was never really in question. I would say until 2019, when the last thing we saw in 2018 was honestly, I thought, kind of alarming. Because Aaron Rodgers had his worst season statistically, but the biggest thing wasn't that it wasn't that the team was bad because we've seen bad Packer teams and we know that when Aaron Rodgers isn't 100%, the team around him normally isn't where it should be for them to be a Super Bowl champion. Always. It, it, obviously, right. they rely on him quite a bit. Yeah. But when he was missing throws in 2018, he was missing them 
pretty badly. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't was the same accurate Aaron Rodgers that you had seen in 2008, 2009, all the way up until 2018 because it was like, wow, Rowdy, yeah, he just missed a receiver I've never seen. Didn't look like before. he was almost trying to miss those receivers at times. <laughs> Some people <laughs> Some said people that. would say that. So, yeah, so th- at that point then you're like, okay, the future of Aaron Rodgers might be a little oh, doubt is it creeping in? Yeah, it's like is is he maybe done? And has the two collarbones and this leg injury maybe been enough now that he's getting into his mid thirties at the time. Yeah. And, but then in 2019, he didn't have statistically his best season, but you could tell the eye test. It's like his accuracy is back. Yeah. He's back to making better decisions. He's back to be doing all this other stuff. And then you get last year. Well, but then he also says, well, the last two seasons I've really been working on my legs again, because it's the legs that go, not necessarily the arm. And when the legs go, the arm isn't there. So if he, if that's all it took to get you back looking like you were during your Super Bowl runs, your early So a little career. bit of Rodgers' future started to creep in a little bit after 2018 and then in 2019, but then last year you're like, okay, Rodgers, yes, Packer for life, let's go. Baby. I think 18 was only the real question mark because in 13 and what was the other one, 17? 13 and 17 yeah. was when he broke both collarbones. He still looked good that season. Obviously, one bad fall. Another bad hit here and there. Well, and then he had a season where he played with a fracture in his leg. All right, so I want to I want to play this clip here from uh, that was on ESPN from uh, their NFL insider uh, Dan Graziano. And before I play that, the future of the future of Rogers, um, Graziano. Graziano, the future of Rogers never really was like in doubt. Doubt besides that year last year, McCarthy, you're like, man, maybe Rogers is dropping off here. 2019 came back, and then 2020 obviously wins the MVP. But I think the biggest wrench that was thrown into the future of Aaron Rodgers was when Gutekunst traded up to pick Jordan Love. That's when you're like, okay, uh, wow. I guess the future of Aaron Rodgers is actually coming into jeopardy here. Well, here is what um, Dan Graziano had to say. He's an NFL insider for ESPN. Check this out when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, the contract or lack thereof contract extension negotiations with number 12 in the brass. They have restructured contracts this offseason to save cap room. They haven't done that with Aaron Rodgers' contract, which, as he knows and pointed out to Pat McAfee, leaves the situation unchanged from last year when they took Jordan Love in the first round. You're absolutely right, Greeny, to describe this as a year-to-year situation. They need to see what Jordan Love shows from a developmental standpoint. They need to see how Aaron Rodgers plays and how the season goes. But, yes, the Packers will... The Packers are going to Packer. I mean, this is this is how they operate. And, frankly, over the last 20 years... Only New England has played in more postseason games, and only New England and Pittsburgh have won more postseason games. The Packers feel fully justified in sticking to their plan. The fact of the matter is, it works. Does it, though? Because how many Super Bowls yeah, has but, New England win in that time? Yeah, but also, see, it does work, but you also have to factor this in in that time. You had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Exactly. In that time. And when those Hall of Fame quarterbacks were hurt, we'll just go with one, Aaron Rodgers. When those court, when he was hurt, how did that roster look like? Like it looked like dog turds. Look at look at the other two franchises that were mentioned there. You had Tom Brady, who was basically there for the end, well, and before him, Drew Bledsoe, yeah. pretty solid quarterback in his own right. Yep, were the the quarterbacks in in New England. Plus, you had a Bill Belichick. <laughs> then you look at the only other uh, team that was mentioned there, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have Big Ben, who probably is a Hall of Famer as well. And I know they 
they might not have had some of the greatest quarterbacks like before Big Ben, but Big Ben's been there for a long chunk of those 20 years that they speak of too. Haven't they won two Super Bowls with Big Ben? They have. Okay, so the Patriots obviously go in the dynasty. The Steelers win two Super Bowls. Who have and won more, appeared in a third. And appeared in the third who have won Packers, who have won more than the Packers, and the Packers have won. So when you look at this, has this really, if the Packers are going to Packer, have this really worked for the Packers? Well, I think when you look, isn't it all about winning championships? Look, look at the two team or the three teams. They all have one thing in common. They all have at least one Hall of Fame quarterback in that time. Mm-hmm. They all, nah, this is really stupid and obvious to say, but they all have a Super Bowl champion coach. Well, the Steelers had two. Uh, the Patriots had Bill Belichick, <laughs> and now the Packers had Mike McCarthy, who was highly successful. Well, just stating, and, just stating the facts. And let's just state the facts. I'm mean, I'm a highly successful NFL head coach. You can look at those three franchises and say Thank those you, three franchises, just in general, have been pretty successful since the '90s. Yeah. Look at since Bob Kraft bought uh, New England. Yep. Obviously, the Steelers have been around for. Steelers are the Steelers, They're and then iconic. the Packers had their you know '60s run. 70s and 80s were pretty lean, but then you had your Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. So for the most part, all three franchises had Hall of Fame quarterbacks, great coaches. Okay, now you should tell me the two other organizations, the Steelers and the Patriots, how many out there go out to get free agents? How many go out there and try to win? Well, you know that the the Patriots go out and get free agents. Don't the Patriots try to win now? The Patriots and now you're seeing it with uh, with Tampa Bay. People go... And they say they want to play with Tom Brady, and they take huge discounts. Yeah, and Brady takes discounts, How too. How many players do you hear saying that about Aaron Rodgers, though? Well, the Packers never do it, so I never right, get to hear but it. But how many of you ever heard? I heard Jonathan White say it this year. I want to go play with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I've never heard anybody else come out and say, I want to play with Aaron Rodgers. I heard Marshawn Lynch, when he was at the Buffalo Bills, say, hey, yo, to Rodgers, say, yo, tell Ted to come get me. Yeah, well, that's because they played together at Cal. Yeah, and guess Other what? Other than that, I haven't heard anyone but, say I want to play Rodgers. Right. And yeah, Rodgers. So maybe it is a Rodgers problem.